theyeshiva.net. Okay, so those who have a look at the Torah, it's page 81, Mem Aleph, column 1, the last line, on top it says Bahar. So to summarize, literally in a few paragraphs, what we learned yesterday, is that after a whole introduction about Shabbos and the fact that in Shabbos there's two dimensions within each, each Shabbos, which we're going to get back to much later. The Balatanya explore, started to explore the concept that's brought in the writings of the Arizal, especially that on Shabbos there is a reality that we call Aliyah Elamus, the ascending of the worlds. And that happens because there's a Shabbos in each day, which is the time of davening, which is the Aliyah Elamus in the person during that day, and then from all the davenings comes Shabbos. And he asked, why do you need, a, why is the, what, what, what's even the expression and the concept of aliyah sa'ilamus, when meloi chalar it's when Hashem's presence fills the earth and fills the world. So the Balatanya now went off for a moment, for, for a little while, or for a while, goes off to discuss, discussing the purpose of the neshama coming down. It's brought in Svarim, that it's uh, in Sifri Kabbalah and Sifri Chsidus, that it's Yeridu Tzarech Aliyah. Here again, the expression is Aliyah. You want an Aliyah, you want an ascent. And again, the question is, if Hashem spoke to Moshe from the Sneh to teach you, there's no space devoid of him, what's this Aliyah, the same, the same, the same question? What's this Aliyah that's spoken about? It's not like the Neshama was in a bad place or in a negative place before it came down. It has to come down to go back up. So he starts explaining to understand what the Dushama is a little bit, to understand what the nature of a soul is. That began the discussion. And the way the Balatanya expresses it here is by the fact that all of creation is defined in Torah as Hashem's speech, Dibur. Right? The whole Parshas Bereshis is about Vayoymer, Hashem speaks. He speaks the world into existence. Obviously it's a metaphor, he doesn't have a mouth. When we say a person speaks, we understand what it means. You say Hashem speaks, you have to understand what it means. It's trying to illustrate an idea. Chazal say, In Pirkei the fifth chapter. The Pesach says in Tehillim, this is what he quotes, And that doesn't include only the physical earth. It includes all of the universes, even angels, malachim. Everything comes from Dibur. When it comes to the neshama, there's an expression in Medrash, Yisrael alu b'machshava. Yisrael alu b'machshava. So there's different commentators in the Medrash. What does it mean, Yisrael alu b'machshava? Everything is alu b'machshava. But the Balatanya says, no, Chazal are trying to distinguish between thought and speech. The world is defined as a speech, and neshama is defined as a thought. And he started to explain that words as powerful as they are, ultimately, each word pales in comparison to the capacity of the soul to speak. What is in the potentiality of the person to speak? Not only in terms of quantity, that a person speaks as much as you speak, even for many years, there's a limited amount of words that we say, even if there are many, and relative to the infinite capacity, how much could you speak, theoretically? <laughs> he says, in Kate's. So you can't compare, it's be'en ha'reich, there's no measure. But also in terms of quality, what is captured through words is a limited component of what's expressed. 
So when you speak about creation, it's called Hashem's speech. Why is it called Hashem's speech? So he says, because just like when a person expresses themselves through words, they're articulating their thoughts, their feelings, their emotions, their experiences in a certain form called letters, words, sentences, paragraphs, and it's externalized, it becomes concretized to the point that you can hear what I'm saying, you can even repeat it, you can write it, you can write it up, you can also misconstrue it, you can misunderstand it. <laughs> That's what happens very often, right? Somebody says something, but what people hear is not the same thing what was said. Yeah? If you don't believe me, you can discuss it with your spouse. Find out what she meant, what she said, and how you took it. <laughs> or the other way around. In other words, words assume a certain identity outside of the person. And once uh, in Yermia, he calls words arrows. You know, once the arrow leaves, it already can wreak havoc in a way that you didn't imagine. But the point is that words have a life of their own. As long as you didn't say them, they don't have a life of their own. <laughs> they have a life inside your brain. Once you say them, the Gemara says, Nobody knows what you're thinking. We can speculate, we can guess, we can sometimes know a little bit. But words... I know what you said, I heard what you said. So the world essentially is a speech, and it's an ongoing conversation. It's Hashem taking His energy and concretizing it in a certain form, but relative to what's inside, the ability of speech, He says it's be'en aroich, it's kaloi chashev. It doesn't have that uh, full, uh, full expression of the essence. Machshava is much deeper. Machshava is internal. And even though you could say the same thing about thoughts, as He said, Thoughts also. The thoughts that I have relative to my capacity for thoughts and relative to what's inside, the thoughts are expressing something, is a certain form of expression, which again is only a limited form, and that's why it's called a levush. Machshava, dibur, and maisa are called levushim, they're called garments of the soul. In Tanya, that's a big conversation. The definition of a garment is you put it on and you take it off. It's not doesn't constitute your essence. A lavush, a garment, doesn't constitute your essence. He says, but there's a big difference between the garment of speech and the garment of thought. The garment of speech is called lavush achitzen. It's like a clothes, a suit a person puts on when they go outside of the house. And when you come into the house, you take it off. Then there's something called lavush apnimi, an internal garment. It's the garment that you'll wear even in your privacy, even in your intimacy. Sometimes there's a garment that people wear, even in the privacy of their home. It's not like the tie that you usually take off or other types of garments. You know, the king wears a crown. He comes back to his chamber, takes off the crown, doesn't sit with his hat, or the person doesn't sit with a hat or, or a crown or whatever garment. It's a levush but it's still a garment. But it's a garment that accompanies me, even in the privacy of my life. And that's the difference between dibur and machshava. Dibur is like a levush There's a time that I stop speaking. A person could be silent. Let's hope so, at least. Machshava... On the other hand, he says, Machshava doesn't stop. As long as the soul is alive, and the soul is always alive, because a soul doesn't die, right? A soul doesn't die. If it's something that's alive, doesn't die. Machshava exists. Machshava is the way the soul processes itself to itself. So on one hand, it's a lavush, it's a garment. In other words, it's the way I process who I am to myself. In speech, I process who I am to you. In Machshava, I process who I am to me. And that's what thought does. And all day we're busy processing, right? We don't stop thinking. And even when you try to stop thinking, so then you're thinking about the fact that you're trying to stop thinking. And even when you're in a calmer place, but you're still thinking. 
You may be thinking calm thoughts, you may be focused on something that helps you gain deeper awareness, but machshav is an ongoing process. That was the point that we, uh, that we learned. Mamash, the summation of it. So that's what he says. So three lines from the bottom. Even when you're on your own, you're private, you still, there's certain garments, like the undergarments, that you wear. Of course, it's not exactly a metaphor, because clothes, a person could take off even undergarments. But the point is, he's trying to give out, bring out that it's a different type of levush. It's a levush apnimi. It's an internal, intimate garment. And thus, machshava doesn't cease, it doesn't rest. You can never say, stop thinking completely. <laughs> shut it down. Sometimes it would be nice. <laughs> shut, shut down machshava completely. Shut it down completely. There's some form of processing that happens. And therefore, because thought always comes along with machshava, it's like it's constant uh, accompaniment. So therefore, just as the soul is eternal, every thought is also has an element of nitzchis, has an element of eternal. As long as the soul exists, the thought also exists. So according to this, he says now, an incredible idea. There's an expression in Kehelas, in Ecclesiastes, you know, everything has a time. There's a time for peace and a time for war, a time to laugh and a time to cry. There's a time for silence and a time for speech. He goes through different seasons in a person's life. There's a time to mourn, to grieve, and there's a time to dance. And it's a very important contrast. In other words, if I know how to grieve, I can dance. If I know how to cry, I can laugh. If I know how to be quiet, I can speak. Somebody doesn't know how to be quiet also doesn't know how to communicate. Right? <laughs> it's important. So there's Ace Lachshes and Ace Ladaber. So the Balatanya uses now this expression in a fascinating way to describe all of creation. By Hashem also, there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. How does he define creation? It was a time to speak. What's pre-creation? Time to be silent. So he says, all the worlds and all of creations which emerge from Dibur, they're all an expression of Dibur Kavayachal. It's like a conversation, it's a speech. They're all Nishachu. They were innovated. They're Mechudish. They were created. They emerged into existence. Nishavu comes from the word Hoiva, Havia, existence. Hoya, Hoya, Hu, is, Hoya, is. They came into existence when? During creation. Then there was a time to speak. In fact, as we will see, time itself was also created. In other words, the speech includes also time. Including the fact that there's a time. And because there's a time to speak, so there's also a time for silence. So there's a, there's a moment when you could say, creation happens, it's new. Now it's time to speak. And that's a chiddush. Now I'm going to communicate. And God decides to communicate His energy through creation, through the worlds. And every creation is really another speech. Every creation is a different type of dibur. Because the dibur constitutes the energy 
of that which is created. And therefore, Chazal say in Rosh Hashanah, Shital Alma, the world lasts for 6,000 years, 6 millennium. In other words, after the world stands for 6,000 years, he says it reverts to Ayin Ve'efes, to naught. Ayin is naught, nothingness. Why? The speech ceases. Now, we'll see what that really means. When you say the world returns to Ayin, it doesn't just mean simple words, you know. <laughs> There's a world war and the world gets destroyed. It's referring to the Dibur going back to a higher place. But we'll see. But the point is, Dibur has a time and therefore has a limit. It's interesting. Usually it's a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. It doesn't say anywhere in Chumash. But in Medrash Rabbah he brings, in Noyach, he has a proof from Chumash that there's a Gvul Amidus Elmas. All the days of the earth. The earth has days. It has days, like you say, all the days of a human being. A person has days, months, years. The earth also has, the earth also has years. Climate change advocates would get very excited about this. Call you may hard it's. Huh? <laughs> the colonizers of Mars, yeah. This is not a... How did Chazal know this? It's not just a raya from a posik. Yeah. It's because the toichen. The world by definition is what? Is dibur. And whenever you're talking about words, there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. They, 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 it's the fabric of creation. The fabric of creation is its words. If it's words, there's also a time to be silent. There's a time to hold back from the expression through words. So therefore, there's a beginning and there's an end. A speech can't go on forever. That's the cloud. There was once somebody who introduced a speaker he wasn't ay, ay, ay. So the MC says, this speaker, he doesn't need an introduction. He needs an ending. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was a pretty original introduction. <laughs> so this ace ladaber, ace ladaber also means there's a time to speak. There's a time for silence. And this is true in everything. You know, there's a time to speak and there's a time not to speak. The Gemara says, Kashem shemitzvah loy madover anishma, kach mitzvah. Sometimes it's a mitzvah to not to say what's not going to be heard. It's true in, in every, every single relationship. There's a time you communicate, and there's a time that there's a much deeper communication by not communicating. A person may not be ready for these words, or so many different reasons. So the whole creation is a dibur, so there's also a slachshus. Mashenk and haneshamas, neshamas are different. Lefisha alubamachshava. Because they're a piece of thought, so neshamas are not something that are created during the six days of creation. To say such a statement is a shtickle revolutionary. So he brings a medrash in Bereshis Rabba, in Parshas Bereshis Ches, Al Pasuk. It says in Divrei Hayamim, Chronicles 1, Chapter 4, Divrei Hayamim, Aleph Dalet, Im HaMelech B'Melachto Yashvu Sham. They sat with the king during his work. Who sat with which king during which work? So the Medrash says, Im Melech Malchem Amlochem HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yashvu Nefoshes Shal Tzadikim, Shabahen Nimlach HaKadosh Baruch Hu Baruch With the Melech, the king of kings Hashem, the souls of Tzadikim sat, and he consulted with them, Nimlach, 
Nimlach Benefesh, the same thing, Nimlach means he consulted, he, he discussed with them, he so to speak decided with them, should he create the world or not, and he went and created the world. Now obviously these are very, these are Midrashic words, so they're very subtle, they're very idle, you have to understand them in a very subtle way. But what's the point here? That somehow pre-creation, there was this consultation with the Neshamas, <laughs> with the Nefashas Shil Tzadikim. And obviously, he sees here Tzadikim, not just as a few souls, but as it says in Yeshaya and Avi, the Amich Kulam Tzadikim. It represents really the nature of every soul is, 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 is pure, is perfect. Neshamash and Asatabi Taheri. So what do you mean? You're sitting with Tzadikim and consulting with them about creation. They were also created. So who did you consult with them? Who did you consult with about that? Mechal doesn't mean God consults with somebody. There was a committee. He decided, yeah, there's a board. I thought boards were Nishadash after Sheshis and Mebereshis. But apparently the Medrash is telling us here something about the Neshama. The Neshama is Machshava. So the idea of Machshava is that when there's a soul, there's a thought. When there's a soul, there may be words, there may not be words. Dibur is a chiddush, it's eis ladaber, and therefore there's eis lachshus. So there's pre-creation and there's post-creation. Neshamas, even pre-creation, are there. Uvelagam lachenem nitzchem. So now you have the other side, the other side of the pole. Therefore they're eternal. Just like thought is perpetual, it's consistent. So it's there before creation. Because it's not ace ladaber, now there's a time to talk. If I'm around, there's going to be a thought. <laughs> not necessarily a word. And the thought is there as long as I'm there. As long as the soul is alive. This is an expression of the Alter Rebbe. Seichel and Machshava are two inseparable friends. But here you see two things. They're not the same. They're friends, but they're inseparable. <laughs> When you have two friends who are inseparable, you see him, you see him, but they're not the same. And that's going to be an important distinction that we're going to see. What does it mean they're two friends? If there's seichel, there's going to be machshava. If there's an idea, the idea is going to be processed through thoughts. Every idea is packaged in a lavush of machshava. The same is true with every emotion. There's going to be machshava. There's my thinking about it. But your thoughts about it are not the idea. It's the way the idea is being articulated through the world of thought. And that's why thought is also a language. People think in a language. Right? You think in English. I don't know if you ever realized, but if you think about your thoughts, <laughs> which is sometimes good to do, not too much, but a little bit. If you think about it, you'll see, just like you speak in a language, you think in a language. This one thinks in English, this one in Hebrew, this one in Russian, this one in French, this one in Yiddish. Depends on the mama lotion, you know, what, what, what mother tongue is. You don't understand in a language. You don't, uh, understanding is universal. It's like music. Love is universal. In what language do you love? Huh? French or Italian? <laughs> yeah, when you talk about love language, it's how people appreciate love. How they express it. That's already, that's the language of the love, right? Words of affirmation or other things. Right. So to speak. Or Maisa. Some, for some people, the love language is Maisa. Machshava is a language because Machshava is an articulation of an idea or an articulation of an emotion. But it's, in, it's an inseparable friend. <laughs> it's an inseparable friend of Seichel. In other words, say, I'm going to understand something without thinking about it. <laughs> I'm going to feel something, but no thought. The way I process it to me is going to be through a Machshava, but it's a Lavush. So it's two friends that are inseparable. 
Every seichel is going to produce a machshava. That so, so it re- expresses it, it, it personifies it. Yeah. And it's ultimately rooted in the 22 letters, in the 22 letters of, uh, of the Aleph base, Chavbez, as he's going to say. You want to know what the definition of intuition is? It's like, I, I can feel, I can feel. Almost like a picture. So, when you say train rei in the Lama Sparshan, it means they work together, but they're two separate things. They're really two separate things. Like two friends. They're not the same. <laughs> so sometimes a person can't even distinguish between the two. And sometimes, like an intuition, there could be a distinction. It's almost like you see a picture. And then the picture is processed through letters or through words. This is true about Seichel, it's true, as he will say, about Midis. Two friends that are not separated. Even intuition, do we really process it without any machshava? <laughs> do you process intuition without any machshava? It's hard to. <laughs> it jumps right in, right? <laughs> Doesn't let you sit with intuition too long. Do you give your intuition words, letters, some letters, some thoughts? But it's two, it's two separate friends. It's two friends, Lama's Parshim. And he gives an example, Kahadein Kamtsa, the Levushe Mineyube. Kamtsa is an animal that Chazal ident, that Chazal call a type of animal or, or rodent or reptile that Levushe Mineyube. He has a garment, but the garment is made up from his very body. So some identify it with a turtle. A turtle has a very nice big uh, uh, shell. Yeah, and it grows with it. Levushim hamster. You have different, whatever the kamtsa is, levushim What's his point? It's a levush. But it's not a garment that's external. It's a garment that's made up, mineyube, from it itself. Lobster <laughs> as well. It's different uh, oyster, right? But usually it's, it's often translated as a turtle. I don't know if that's Mamish, the accurate translation. So what's his point here? Levushim It's a levush. It's not the, it's not the animal itself. But it comes mineyube. And what does he mean becomes mineyube? Here it's even deeper than a friend. You have two friends. They were born in separate families. They met and then they become inseparable. Here it's even deeper than two friends. That's why he uses another expression. Treyne in the Lomis Parshan is an expression in Zoyar. He uses it from a seichel amachshav. Mineyube means it's my lavush, but it comes from me, myself. Me, myself, create also a garment to cover up myself. <laughs> the I creates a lavush to cover up itself. In other words, every seichel, so to speak, produces a lavush, mineyube, from the seichel itself. It produces a lavush to process it, to articulate it, to give it a form, to give it a certain form through machshava, through isis. But it's still a lavush. It's not the nekudah itself. And therefore, ach, However, not, not therefore, thus, ach, however, this doesn't mean all neshamas are one. Neshamas are also distinct. Each one is distinct. Chazal tell us that there are 600,000 root souls. And he uses the word sharashim. Every root, it's like a tree. You have the root of a tree, but the tree itself is divided into branches. And the, each branch has many leaves and buds, flowers, fruits. 
Va'anafim l'nitzutzis ein ketz. So when you talk about on a root level, the 600,000 Neshamas, that's it, 600,000. When you're talking about uh, from the Shoirish, you have many branches. So from one root soul could come many branches, and from those branches could come, he says, sparks of souls and kates. So it doesn't mean every, you say there's more than 600,000 souls, because yes, yeah, 600,000 roots, but from each soul, there's different branches. Now, if you have 600,000 roots, it also means that there's... Souls that belong to different trees. Reb Nachman of Breslov writes in Lekutei Ma'aran that sometimes you feel a very close kinship to somebody because you're from the same tree, you're from the same shayrish. You have the same shayrish on Hashama. It's the same shayrish. The other tree is also part of your garden. There's a mitzvah of Avazil, a recha kamaycha, but there's something that belongs, it's, it's my tree. Where it's the same shayrish. There's a certain language you share, an internal language. You know, you could sometimes be physically close to somebody, a, a, a neighbor, maybe for 45 years. And you like them, you're friendly. But then there's somebody you meet, the face when you're already older. And you meet them for 20 minutes and you know, what, what is it called? <laughs> it's a click. Why? What happened? So he says over there, it's the same shadish. <clears throat> Darizal writes, I saw, I think in Sefer Gilgulam, he says that with family, you have to be careful. Either they're very close or there's a lot of issues. He says between brothers. Why? Because it's from one shayrish. <laughs> so he says from one shayrish, either you learn <laughs> that you're from one shayrish, or you feel the competition constantly, because you're from my shayrish. So he says the all neshamas, there's 600,000, but it's different types, shayrashim. And then there's so many different branches and sparks. And you could be on a level of a shayrish, you could be on a level of a branch, you could be on a level of a leaf. Or fruit, or nitzutz, laying kids. Keneged, that's why you have sometimes neshamas klolis, neshamas that are more collective. They're more all-encompassing. It's, a, it's again, it's where you're rooted in the tree. Keneged samachri b'yoysis shepetayra. The famous word from Megala Mukas, Reb Nosson Shapir, Yisrael is an acronym, yesh, shishim ribi b'yoysis l'tayra. The 600,000 letters in tayra correspond to the 600,000 soul. Every soul has its source in tayra. So here again you see, the, why, why is he bringing this here? Because if it's 600,000 letters, Oisius and Taira, it's Oisius. Just like Dibur is Oisius, Machshav is also Oisius. Machshav is made up of letters. Machshav is made up of sentences. It's different than words. Just like when you speak and then when you write, it's different because writing is more concretized. Speech relative to thought is like writing relative to speech. You could speak and then try to write it down. It's not so simple. You can even think, sometimes a person says, oh, I have an idea, and then you try saying it, it doesn't come out. Why? Because in thought, it's a whole different place. It's, in, it's still inside. When it's in thought, it's really an expression of you. When it's coming down in speech, it's about other people hearing it. And that's very, that's very difficult. The journey from Machshava to Dibut is a very complicated journey. Sometimes, a person, let's say, has to speak somewhere. You have to speak in your house, you speak at a Sheva Bracha, you speak at a board meeting, whatever it is, short, long... And you have the idea, and it's a beautiful idea, and you're excited about it, and then you get up, right? And uh, nobody knows what you're talking about. Even you don't know what you're talking about. In other words, you see that nobody knows what you're talking about, so you start doubting. So, so, so the person gives up and gets very upset at themselves. Or even you have an idea, and then you start writing it down or preparing it, and nothing is coming out. Why? The reason is, there's, the, the journey from Machshava to Dibur is a very serious journey. In Machshava... What backs up the speech is your feelings, your emotions. <laughs> Machshava is just the outer expression of what you know inside. 
Dibur is the opposite. Dibur, they don't know what I'm thinking. Nobody knows what I'm feeling. The words have to capture everything. So that's a whole different type of skill and talent. You understand what I'm saying? Very good. Very good. Excellent question. Excellent question. If you count the Sefer Torah's letters, you'll see it has 304,805 letters. And he says here, Samach Ribuya is a 600,000. How do I know it's a good question? Because the Alter Rebbe asks it. That's how I know it's a good question. <laughs> so he continues, he says, This is a well-known thing it says in Svarim, but he says it's not the case. You're not going to find 600,000 Isis in Torah. Which means that some souls don't have a letter, <laughs> or something is off here, there's a discrepancy. Hainu, he says it's a very interesting answer. Alter Rebbe's answer. Hainu, mipnei Isis hemshech, Balatanya answers as follows. In Diktuk, there's something called Oisius Hemshech. Oisius Hemshech means letters that represent Continuity. Hemshech is continuity, continuation. And those are four letters. Aleph, Hey, Vav, Yud. For example, let's take the first letter, the second word in Torah. Beresh is Bara. Bara, right? So when you hear me, if you wouldn't know how to spell Bara, we spell it Beis, Reisha, but if you wouldn't know how to spell it, how would you spell it? Bara. Beis, Aleph, Reish, Aleph. Right? Just like you have an Aleph at the end, Bara. You should have an aleph in the beginning. Ba, bays aleph. When you say ba, come, somebody come, he nehu ba, you say ba with an aleph. So ba should be with an aleph. So who gives us a right to take out that aleph? The answer is on the kudas, kumets. The kumets, when you do kumets, bays, ba, ba, that compensates for the aleph. So even though in pronunciation you can hear an aleph, but in writing there's no aleph in the Sefer Torah. Why? Because the comets compensates for that. Huh? No, no. Kriyank Siv means it's taka written in the Torah in a certain way, but we pronounce it differently. Like in Parshas Bahar, Asher Loi Choyma. Asher Loi Choyma, right? It's written Lamed Aleph, and you have to pronounce it Lamed Vav. Now over there it happens to be the same, because Loi and Loi is the same. Duki Hashem Alekim Hu Asanu Veloi Anachnu. We say in the morning. So sometimes the Kriya and the Ksiv is actually identical, but the letter is different. But sometimes it's taka different. You read it differently. Here, it's taka written that way, and it's pronounced that way. So this is called Oisius Hemshech. Aleph, Hei, Vav, Yud are letters that are Hemshech. They represent a continuation from before, like Ba, right? Ba, Ba. So Aleph is Oisius Hemshech. The same is true with Hei, La, Vav, Yud. Ah? From a previous. So therefore... And he brings a Rashi from Ksuvis at the end of the Pedic Vav Ksuvis. Rashi explains this. There's a Pasuk in Eev that says, Yi Nochem. So Rashi says, because it says no, so it's like it would have written, been written Yud Nun Aleph Ches Mem. But the comets compensates for the Aleph. So the Alter Rebbe says, the 600,000 letters in Torah are not letters that are taka written out in Torah. You have 304,000 that are written out. But you have other letters 
that they're letters of machshava. <laughs> they're isis of machshava. So here you see the diuk. If neshamis are kolol b'machshava, so when Chazal wanted to say that every soul has a letter in the Torah, if it would have been the letter that would be written, it's not oisis ha-machshava, that's oisis ha-dibur. In other words, we look, it's like a pshetl, okay, 600,000 letters. Now give me a pshetl, how to reconcile it with reality. So we gave you a pshetl. But now we understand that it's oisis ha-machshava. Oisis ha-machshava attack a different world than dibur. Oisis ha-machshava are not words that are articulated. Sometimes the nekude articulates it, even though it didn't come out in the written form. That's why it says Yisrael is yes shishim ribiyosis l'tayra because neshamas are connected machshava that which is in thought it doesn't come out in words and those are the letters that are hinted to in the nekudas even though they don't come out in the written form that's what he's saying and that's what he says yeshdom b'machshava hakametsu aleph hachirik hu yud right hachirik hu yud so for example it says we have the word li how do you spell li lamid yud right lamid yud. But let's say you would have only a Lamed without a Yud, but the Lamed would be a Chirik that could compensate for the Yud. And it won't say a Yud. The same is true, you have, you have many, many examples. But he says at the end, we don't know which Nekudas make up for these extra 300,000 letters. That Guf is B'machshava. In other words, how do you make that Cheshbon in the Sefer Torah? Could we go through the letters and figure out how we got to 600,000? He says that wasn't revealed. Which one of the Nekudas is making up those letters, and which ones are not, and why. But the point is, it's Oisis HaMakshava. So this is the reason why we say, and every soul has a different energy, just like letters. Each letter represents a certain energy of Torah. You can't compare the letters. That's why he says, the souls have different levels, different madregas. Why? It's all Makshava. The answer is, Makshava itself, every letter has its unique flavor, its unique tam its unique personality, its shape, and its meaning, and what's expressed through these letters. And that's Pshat Kihem Chayu, it says, Kihem Chayenu Vayerich Yameinu, that Taka, the soul is rooted in the letter, it is the letter of the Sefer Torah, so that is the Chius of the soul, because the letters of the Torah, Legabe Hashem, is like the Machshava, Legabe the Seichel. So it's like Hashem's thought, and that is the Neshama. So what's a Neshama? The world is Hashem speaking, and the Neshama is Hashem's, Inner process, Hashem, so to speak, inner life, that's the, 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 that's the soul. So the soul experiences the world as a divine consciousness. It's the divine consciousness. It's like the divine thought. The world is God speaking, and the neshama is God, so to speak, thinking. <laughs> it's Hashem's experience vis-a-vis Himself. That's the neshama. That's why a neshama is of, of a whole different caliber. If it's a whole, in other words, once a person has a neshama, they're completely in a different space. They're in the world of machshava. They're in the world of divine machshava, the divine thought, which is nitzchi. There's no eis ladabra and eis lachshas. It's rooted in a space of eternity because, as he said, the seichel and the machshava is two inseparable friends. You wanted to say something? And what about a six-month-old child? Or a two-day-old child? Uh, an uba b'meyimai. He learns the whole Torah, right? Because because he doesn't, because he can't speak. <laughs> exactly, he sees it. He sees it. That's why he says it's train rein. It's 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 two friends, and sometimes a person comes closer. Yeah, that's exactly the soul sees from one end of the world to the other end of the world. Two friends. No, you see, seichel comes with machshav. Not they're saying the same thing. Machshava always accompanies Seichel. 
But it's not the same. It's not the same thing. One is a levush. It's a levush. No, machshava is a is a concretization. It's a formulation of a thought or some inner inner experience that comes out. Not a limitation. He chose to speak. In other words, he chose to to concretize his energy in the world. That's the chiddush of sheishes mebereshes. Well, there was a there's a mitzvah called creation. So, what's the idea of creation? What was here before creation? So, the truth is, there was no before. Because time is also created. But what's this concept of creation? So the Balatanya says, the, the idea of creation is that the energy was concretized. It became concrete through words. I think the Maggot of Mizritz says, What's the two S's? S is Oisius. Oisius. The word Oisius is S. is Oisius. What happened by creation is the letters for heaven were created. The letters of earth were created. In other words, reality became words. It became words. And because it became words, therefore it became a world that we could be familiar with. Because the energy assumed the identity of Dibur. So that was a choice. If not, there wouldn't be this type of world that we know. Everything has a form, everything has its limits, everything has its finite properties, everything has its story. The world became a story. Became a story, became a narrative. If there's no Isis, if there was no speech, it would never be the world that we know. Then it wouldn't be speech. The definition of Dibur is that it assumes that's what he says, that Eisladabah, that's its definition. The Imkain, if this is true, Yipole, now comes the question, Lama Yardu Anasham is called Kachlamata. So why would you want to do anything to this soul? Like, just let it be. <laughs> why would the soul come down so low? What's the question? We say in the morning, after Yishtabach, Hamei Laaretz, you remember what we say over there? Marabu Masach Hashem, how beautiful is the world, how amazing. HaMelech HaMerumam Levadei Me'oz, HaMeshubach VaMefoyer VaMesnasim Me'os Olam. The king who was exalted from then, he's praised, he's boasted. HaMelech, what's the Lashon? HaMeshubach VaMefoyer VaMesnasim Me'os Olam. He's exalted from the days of the world. Elekei Olam, Berachamecha Arabim Rachem Aleinu. What's the connection between these two statements? Most people don't fall, don't lose sleep over the structure of davening. But if you would write it, what's the connection between these two statements? He's exalted way, way up there. He's been always been around. He's higher. Therefore, have Rahmanas on me. If I care, no, doesn't empathy come from the fact that you actually you're part of me, you feel my pain. Somebody who's completely exalted, it's hard for them to empathize because they're in their own world. So if I can't, you should say Hashem, right? Like 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 uh, like Yaakov says, Hashem alekimi madi, Hashem asher salachti lefanav. He was always with me. Gam keil David, gam keil habegait salmavus. He's hamelech hamerumam levado. He's alone. Meyaz meshubach mafoyim esnasim meisolam. Do me a favor. Have rachmanus berachemach harab. So the Baltanya says like this. Listen to what he's saying. Shedachmanus gedele hi alan hashamas. 
שירדו מאיגרי רומא, דהיינו מחשבתא יסבורך, המסנסים ממוס אוילה. It's compassion for the soul. When you speak about misnasim and misoilam, you're talking about the neshama. <laughs> because the neshama is a chelik elekabimal. The neshama kevayachal is called a piece of Hashem, a fragment of divinity, a nitzutz of the insurf, or as he puts it here, the machshava of the insurf. So, b'meila, when you say, is that the soul is rooted in the most exalted space of reality, transcending reality. If so, can you and can you allow us to feel the compassion and the empathy for the soul that went down, me'igri rame, me'igri rame means from a tall mountain, it's an expression in Gemara Chagigim, me'igri rame l'bira mikta, machshafti yizbarech, ha'mesnasim ma'izerlem, l'mata ma'oid ba'ilam ha'za be'guvah nefesh ha'bahamas. And it comes down into a very, very challenging space for it. There's an animal consciousness and a body. So that's the Rachamech that's HaRabim. When can you have compassion? We could have compassion when, when something belongs somewhere. So there's no compassion. This is where it belongs. When do you have real compassion? You have compassion. You say, I feel Rachmanes. Why do you feel Rachmanes? This is not this is not the way it should be. You feel empathy for the pain of it. There's a distortion. Like you tell somebody somebody's experiencing a lot of pain and you say, I'm sorry. W- what do you mean? It's 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 tragic, it's painful to see the contrast between how things maybe could have been or ought to have been or we feel should have been and the way they are. When you say berachamecha and abim rachem aleinu, it's only because hamelech hamerumim levadim meyaz hamashubach v'mefrevim misnasim imaysaylam. If the neshama wasn't what it was, so it's not a rachmanus. Yeah, you see sometimes certain animals wallow in in in, in dirt or filth. So it's rachmanus. This is uh, they're very happy. They're very happy. It's the distortion. It's the contrast. It's the meigred amal abira mikta that's painful. It's not really who you are. It's not really who you are. So he says, that's the vart. The neshama is rooted in that which transcends all of creation. In other words, it's deeper even than dibur. It's not just divinity the way it's articulated in dibur. It's a reflection of the ein soif of nitzchiyas because it's pre-dibur, it's machshava, which is one with the soul itself, like we've explained. So now, now, Esh, you have to have real compassion for what the soul goes through. For that this infinite beauty descends and goes through, it really goes through the ringer. Every soul goes through the ringer. Because you say, it's not just you know cute words, you go into an animal soul. It means the whole journey of life, in all of its complexities, in all of its nuances, in all of its intricacies that the soul goes through. Oh, now there's Rachemim. So now he's back to the question. So why would this soul go through this type of Yerida? So that now we need compassion. Don't give me this Yerida and don't have this compassion. So he finishes the paragraph. <laughs> so this is the beginning of explaining that this yirida, which is a which is an insane yirida, is a tzarech aliyah. What's the aliyah? What's the aliyah? <laughs> they say a ma'ase that uh, there was once a farmer who uh, there was a a, 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 ra- a big rainstorm and there was a farmer walking around his farm 
during the storm, and he found nearby, near a tree, he found a nest of uh, eagles. And they were all gone. The nest was destroyed, but he found one egg that still seemed intact. So he felt bad. It was from the eagle's nest. And he brought the egg to his farm, and he put it there in the chicken coop. And the chicken, the mother chicken, didn't know the difference. She saw an egg, so she sat on that egg like she sat on her own eggs. And some time later, the eagle, uh, the baby eagle chick emerged from the egg. And the eagle grew up in a chicken coop. So what does it do in a chicken coop? It walks around all day and looks for food. And it eats uh, the grain and it looks down all day and it kukurikud like all the chickens and it fabrengued with the chick kitchens, chickens, kitchens, and slept with them and ate with them and lived with them and uh, enjoyed life with them. One day this chicken, who we know was an eagle, got old and they were sitting out one day and this little chicken or big chicken lifted up its eyes for the first time in its life and it saw an eagle soaring <laughs> and it was astounded the height the majesty the uninhibitedness and this old chicken looks up and says ah if only i would have been an eagle right so none of the chickens ever say that why don't none of the chickens ever say that <laughs> Because they're chickens. <laughs> chickens don't say it because they're chickens. The eagle said it because it's not a chicken, it's an eagle. And when it lives like a chicken, it says, if only I would have been an eagle. That's where Rachamim always comes from. When you're having empathy, when you're having compassion, it's because you're recognizing greatness. So as deep as the pain, it's really the promise of very deep identification. So that's the Berachamecha Rabim Racham Aleinu. Okay, we'll take a break here. Bezer Hashem will continue on Thursday. Have a wonderful day. Oh, Hamelech Hamiroimam. No problem. Miroimam, yeah. Yeah. Hamachadish betuva. No, no. It's, uh, we say in davening hamachadish betuva. You understood? You understood? A little bit. Okay. Hamachadish betuva b'chol yoyim tamid maser bereishes. So that's the dibur. It's a constant dibur. That's that's. Yeah. It's an ongoing dibur. It's like an ongoing drasha. So Sheshis Yimei was the choice of Hashem to articulate the divine through Isis HaDibur. Esa Shemayim Ve'esaretz. Basarim Amaris Nivra'ayla. But it says he consulted with the Neshamas because they're like Machshava, pre-Dibur. And therefore they're eternal. V'amich kolom tzaddikim lo'olam yeshuaretz neitzer matoy maisi yadai l'ispoyer evin Yishamiz nitzchi. There's a Sefer, Eimek HaMelech. Naftali, it's one of the great Mechabalim. So he says that even those Neshamas, that it says about them, that they're Rishoyim, and uh, they're going to be lost forever, and Einlam Chelek Lelam Haba. He says, Sof Kol Sof, the Neshama itself, is a Nitzchi. Because it's Maitse Yadai, it's a Ein Soif, and it's eternal, ultimately. So after everything, because he says, the Chelek Eleka will not be ever destroyed. That's what he writes. Yeah. I'm going to ask, you can ask, yeah, yeah. Right. So every single person has a neshama. Every person has a soul. Yeah. Every person has a neshama. 
of a person. But it's a different type of neshama. In other words, there's different types of souls. So you have a Jewish soul, you have a non-Jewish soul, but every person has a soul. Even a non-Jewish There's even a Toysvis in Meseches Yevamas that says clearly, everyone has a neshama. It's a different type of soul. It's a different type of neshama. Everyone has their shlichus, their mission. And based on that, they have the soul for their mission. Not only people. Darizal says that even every animal has a soul. Every tree has a soul. He even says that every rock, even daimim, even that which looks lifeless, has a soul. Today we know in science that everything is alive. Even you look at a rock, or a drop of water, or a grain of sand, right? If you put it under a microscope, if you look at the whole atomic, you're familiar a little bit with the world of the atoms. You'll see even that which seems lifeless, there's a whole dynamic uh, rhythm of life that's happening inside. Not just millions, but billions and trillions, sometimes sectillions of atoms that are functioning in perfect harmony and structure in every single existence, even that which we call lifeless and dead. So what is that really? That's all an expression of a soul. There's a soul, there's an neshama, there's an energy there. And that is really the chiyos, the, the, the chiyos of Hashem, the vitality of Hashem that gives vitality to every single being. That's its soul. Or to put it differently, it's the letters of the Asara Mamaris with which Hashem created the world. Those letters give chiyos, they give life and animation to every single existence. Not even people. When you're talking about people, it's already on a much higher level. So even an animal has a soul. Even a rock has a soul. Even a little shrub, brand, a shrub or bush has a soul. A little worm has a soul. A mosquito, a bee, everything has a soul. Then there is the unique soul that people have. Like it says in Prekayavis, Chaviv Adam Shenivra B'Tselem. Every person is special because every person was created in Hashem's image. There's a uniqueness to a human soul, Jew or non-Jew. It's called B'Tselem Elikim. How can... So what, what separates... Oh, so the question is the type of soul. Just like what separates a tree from a rock. <laughs> what separates a chimpanzee from an elephant. What separates a bee from a lioness. Yeah, they both have brains, but it's different types of brains, right? <laughs> they both have brains. A squirrel has a brain, right? And a polar bear has a brain. It's a different type of brain, a different type of consciousness, different type of skills, different type of, no, different type of mission. Now you come to the human race. Every person is unique. Every person is their own Selim Alakim. What's the difference between you and me? Not much. You know, we share 50% of our DNA with bananas. Right? So are you a banana? So I'm going to start calling you a banana. 50% of you is a banana, yeah? And you know how much DNA we share with uh, chimpanzees? 99.8, uh, uh, almost 100% of our DNA we share with chimpanzees. You're going to start calling people monkeys? The answer is, that's the uniqueness of it. That we're all part of one, we were all created from one dictionary. <laughs> and yet, that tiny little alteration in your DNA... That's the imprint of Hashem in you that makes you, you, and me, me. Me and my brother, me and my sister, what's the difference? You're in one family, you have the same genetic code, but there's that tiny little change in sequence, that's the unique imprint of Hashem that makes you, you. You understand? Like the letter in the Torah, that's different than the other letter. And every letter has to be 
surrounded from white parchment from four sides. It can't be touching another letter, even though it's one Sefer Torah, but it's different. So you have every person has their own unique type of soul. So you have non-Jews also have a soul, but they have their type of soul. And each person has its uniqueness. Then you have something called a Jewish soul. That's what he's talking about here. Neshama Zistol, Olubu Machshava. And that soul has a unique sensitivity to life. Because if you come from Hashem's thought, so you have a different type of sensitivity to, the, to life. You're really pre-world, you're pre-creation. And when you're pre-creation, creation doesn't satisfy you. Because you're pre-creation. But, so, so the, even the, non, so the non-Jews, Hashem gives them a purpose? Of course. Every person has a purpose. But how, so Hashem... They don't learn this in yeshiva. Every person has a purpose. It's not like, uh, you think it makes sense to say that most of the world is just a waste? Of course not, but that's why it's confusing. Right, it's very confusing. So, so you have to get it straight. Every person has a purpose. Certainly a human being. And every non-Jew has a purpose. And every person is precious and valuable. And every person is created in Hashem's image and has a divine purpose. The question is what that purpose is and how they fulfill it and what their journey is and what their sensitivities are and what their spiritual fulfillment is. So a Jew was created to be a Jew. And other people were created to be other people. And it's not a flaw, it's not bad. You're not bad if you're fulfilling your mission. I'm not supposed to be you. You're not supposed to be me. Now you may have things, you have things that are much greater than I have. It's not, so I should have, I don't have to have it because it's not my shlich, it's not my mission. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to find who you are, not who somebody else is. Yeah. Same is true with Jews and non-Jews. Non-Jews don't have to be Jews. If the only perfection in the world would be to be a Jew, so then God says everybody should be a Jew. He doesn't say that. Fakert, somebody wants to convert, you tell them, you don't. why should you convert? What do you need a headache for? What do you need to eat herring? Judaism says... Judaism says that a non-Jew doesn't have to be a Jew. The Rambam says in Hilchis Malachim, Chassidi Umasa'ilam, the pious ones from among the Gentiles have a chelik in Olam Haba. Judaism says that every person ought to observe the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Nayach. So when a non-Jew observes the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Nayach, which is also from Judaism, it's also from the Torah, this is him or her fulfilling their mission. They don't have to be Jewish. So, but a Jew has to be a Jew. A Jew is a Jew. He doesn't have to be. He is. Yeah. You don't have to be you. You are you. You can either accept it or not accept it. But you're you. You're not me. You understand what I'm saying? I could decide tomorrow that I'm a horse. I could decide. and Somebody may call me that. It's not going to help. I'm not. I mean, I think I'm not. <laughs> I hope I'm not. Somebody can decide I'm a horse. Fine. You could decide. I mean, right? You have to consult your DNA if you're a horse. You know, the eagle decided it was a chicken. I was referring to that empathy can only come if you understand the contrast. If you're wearing a dirty shirt, right? It's full of filth and dirt. And somebody pours some orange juice on it. It's fine. But if you're wearing the most expensive, beautiful tuxedo, and somebody you know pours chocolate mousse on it, and they go, oi! What's the oi? It was so clean. It was so beautiful. The contrast triggers that sense of uncomfort. So compassion is the sense of discomfort because you're so much greater, you're so much higher. Right, so the question is, why does this eagle have to come down into a chicken coop? 
and struggle with uh, its identity? That's the question of the mind. Rebbe, what's this aliyah? What do you what do you understand? But what's what's the nature of it? The neshama is machshava, so let it be machshava. As we will see in the continuation of the Maimah. You understand a little bit? So every person has a soul and every soul has its mission. And the Jew is a Jew and the non-Jew is a non-Jew. And it's not bad or good. It's not bad. Tomorrow says a goy, a Talmud Chochem is more than a Talmud Chochem. Yeah. Yekarehi mipninim, yeah. Mikayin Okay, but fine, the Shavah Mitzvah so when you say Judaism is the truth, it doesn't mean that every person has to be a Jew or every person has to observe all of Torah mitzvahs. That's not the case. For the non-Jew, he has his truth. And that's also that's also Judaism. But is Judaism the way it was formulated for the non-Jew? Why is it confusing? There's a concept of conversion. If a non-Jew really wants to convert earnestly, he's a ger. But... But that means because he has a Jewish spark. That's why he's uncomfortable, yeah? The Chidah says that the expression always in Gemara is Gershon is Gaya, which is a strange expression because usually we have an expression Katenshon is Gadol, a minor who becomes a Bar Mitzvah Bacher, a Gadol, right? Or Evetshon is Tacher, a slave who got liberated. So it should have been Goishon is Gaya, a Gentile who converted. Why say Gershon is Gaya? The Chidah. A convert who converts. A convert doesn't convert. A non-convert converts. So Goyshen is Gaia. It's an unbelievable question. The Gemara's expression is always Gershon is Gaia. So he says because he's a Geir even before he was Nazgaia. Yeah. The Chida writes this. I think in Dvash Lafi, in one of his places I saw it. Why? Because even before he converts, he's already, he has the spark of a Jew. That's why he's driven to convert. Why would he want to convert? We're talking about a genuine conversion, not because of social uh, benefits or pressure. But if he doesn't want to, fakert, the halach is that you dissuade a guy from converting. There's a whole sugi in Yavamas. You tell him no. You explain to him no. Why not? If it's a guy wants the truth, you say, no, you stay in, lo- in, a, lie, in, the, in, a, in a world of lies. It's not a world of lies. It's Hashem's world. It's not a world of lies. It's the world of the non-Jew. It's a beautiful world. Yeah, am I supposed to be a Kayan? Kayan goes into the Beis HaMikdush to serve. So I want to go to the Beis HaMikdush. It's not your shlichus. I'm not a Kayan. Let's say I am a Kayan. I can't go into Kayan. I want to go into Kayan HaKadoshim. It's a beautiful thing to go, but it's not what God wants from you. You don't have to go in. You don't have to go into the Eichel. A Kayan eats Truma. A Kayan eats Karbonus. I don't eat Truma. I can't eat Truma. It's a Mishra Mishra Why? You have a different Indian. You have a different shlichus. You understand what I'm saying? A man and a woman have different mitzvahs. Fakert, if I'm you, who's going to be me? <laughs> if I'm you, who's going to be me? Every person has their uniqueness. Huh? All jealousy, what's jealousy? Jealousy is I want you. But it's not really, uh, there's an expression, all envy is ignorance. <laughs> you're not the other person. You don't really want to be the other person. Because <laughs> you're not them. You're not made to be them. You see one thing in another person's life, this is what I want. You want their whole life? It's not. It's not for you. It's not... I'm going to be you. You know what I mean? You see one thing, oh, I want this. It doesn't work that way. Biology, biology and Torah are one. They're not separate. Biology comes from Hashem also. 
it's huh? Nobody ever taught this to you in the school. It's like two worlds, right? I know. The world of Torah, the world of biology. It's really one. It says in Zoya, Hashem looked into Torah and He created the world. It says in Medrash, the Torah is like the blueprint. You know, when an architect makes blueprints for a house, then the contractor uses the blueprint and follows the blueprint to create, the, to build a house. So Torah is the blueprint of the world. So if you want to, if you want to know what's the blueprint of biology, it's Torah. So the whole biology reflects Torah. And Torah could give the deepest insight onto biology. And the other way around, biology is just a reflection of Torah. No, so, no, that's what I know, so now I understand that. And that's why everything in the world is a reflection of Torah. And therefore everything in the world has its purpose, its function. So even all the non-Jews have... Every non-Jew. But they they reflect the Torah? Depends how they live. Part of the job of the Jewish people is to inspire the world. The Rambam says that we got the mitzvah during Har Sinai, on Har Sinai, Hashem told us, to influence the whole human, all of humanity to observe the seven mitzvahs of Bnei Nayach. Like we say in Aleinu, the ultimate purpose is l'sakin oilam b'malchus shendal yud, to fix the whole world, to repair the whole world. So every single one has a purpose. And every one reflects Torah in their own way. Again, even an animal, even a reptile, even a rodent, a fish, a bird, a plant, a bush, everything. Every atom is a reflection of Torah. If it wasn't in Torah, it wouldn't be in the world. Because the Torah is the blueprint. It's like a house. You look at a house. Every part of the house is in the blueprint. You understand? There's no part of the house that's not in the blueprint. No. Now, our job is... Our job is to... uh, Yeah, it's beautiful. That they found the Yutke Vafke in the DNA. It's amazing. Somebody sent this to me also, yeah. Dr. Yeshayahu Rubinstein is a molecular biologist in Mechon Weizmann in Israel. And he researched, he researches human DNA cells. So he says that he was looking at DNA in a microscope. He was looking through a microscope at DNA. So they look like two springs that spiral around and are attached to each other. Right? You know, the helix, the double helix. As long as the connection continues... The cell is alive. He found that along the whole DNA, there are bridges that keep the spirals from detaching. Yeah, I'm, le- I'm really learning about this. That's what you're learning? The, and thereby, they keep the cells alive, so they keep us alive. So he looks closer. This is what uh, Dr. Rubenstein said. He was looking closer. And he says he saw a pattern in these bridges. He wanted to see if the bridges that keep them together, that keep the DNA together, if they have a pattern. So he says the, the, the pattern was as follows. Ten acids, and then a bridge, and then five acids, and then a bridge, and then six acids, and then a bridge, and five acids, and a bridge, and then the pattern repeats itself. That's crazy. In each one. So he wanted to know what the pattern meant. And then suddenly he realized ten is yud, and five is hay, and six is Vav, and five is He. So it's basically Yud and He and Vav and He. Because that's how it is. You have ten acids and a bridge, that's Yud. Then you have five acids and a bridge, that's He. You have six acids and a bridge is Vav. You have five acids and a bridge. And then it repeats itself again and again. So he says as follows, just as an artist signs his name on his creation, you know an artist signs his name on his piece of art, 
the great artist of all creation, leaves his signature on each cell in our bodies. Every, every, the human cell. I, I, he says it about the human cell. Human DNA cells. I don't know about other, I don't know about other ones. Beautiful, huh? This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.